The following message is copyrighted by Westminster Theological Seminary. Duplication, distribution, or other use of all or any part of this message is not permitted without prior written consent. Please direct your inquiries to communications at wts.edu. For all other information, please visit the main website at www.wts.edu. It's a um, great delight to be back to Westminster. I love this place deeply, and I received a wonderful, precious four years of theological education here, and uh, it was out of this training here that flowed the ministry that followed. I'm greatly deeply grateful to the Lord and to my professors. I was just talking to uh, some of the Chinese students over dinner, and they said they can never finish all the readings they assigned. <laughs> and I said, there's a strategy to studying at Westminster. And uh, one person asked, what is it? I said, you concentrate on one or two or three professors, and um, the rest to the best you can. <laughs> and I concentrated on, concentrated on Professor Murray and Professor Van Til, and I am forever grateful to what they imparted to me. Uh, Dr. Edward J. Young and others also were great teachers, but my Hebrew didn't retain too long with me. <laughs> but he was a man of humility and um, <clears throat> His course on prophets was just tremendous. Well, tonight I'm privileged to uh, give you here this class, a lecture on leadership training uh, of the house church movement in China. Uh, this lecture will have two parts, basically. In the first part, uh, I will discuss about the rise of the house church uh, movement in China and the organization of the house church movement. In the latter part, I will share with you uh, their training model. Most of these materials have arisen out of uh, my personal contacts uh, with them during the last 10 years, in particular with one group in central China in the province of Henan, uh, with uh, whom we still have ongoing um, partnership in missions. Now, by way of introduction, I may say that uh, in spite of the recent political upheaval following the Beijing massacre and arrest, the church in China uh, is still growing by leaps and bounds. Not only did it not diminish, but the growth has been unprecedented. Now, the greatest need of the church in China today uh, is for training of workers, particularly for evangelism and church planting. And evangelism in China, particularly in the house church movement, has the goal of church planting. The help from overseas is numerous and diversified, but the most strategic way of helping the church in China is to assist her in her attempt to train workers, who then can train others. Well, in this paper, I will try to share with you the pattern of evangelism 
and the church planting as developed in one of the group, house church groups in central China, and how they developed the training program for their evangelists. <clears throat> it is hoped that in seeking to assist the church in China, particularly in this area, Christian groups outside the world can do so with a clear understanding of what God is already doing uh, in China, and so that in the future, when we help and become more involved, we will do so in partnership with them and with appreciation of the indigenous ways of church planting that God has uh, granted to them. Furthermore, this uh, understanding of simplistic, rustic style of evangelistic training might enable us to rethink our own theological training efforts. First, under Roman numeral one, the rise of house church Christianity in China. The house church movement has become the mainstream of Protestant Christianity in China today, uh, containing, I believe, 95% of China's 50 to 60 million Protestant believers. The head of the Three South Patriotic Movement, Bishop Ding, claims that there are 5 million Protestants and 5,000 churches. But uh, those of us who have close contacts with the house church leaders, the present estimate is way beyond 50 million, possibly 60 million. And I believe by the year 2000, we can expect 100 million Protestant believers in China. These house churches have become missionary-oriented churches and have recently developed their own brand of schools of missions, which are known as seminaries of the field. In a way, I gave that title to them. They just call themselves or seminary, but uh, because they have no uh, clear uh, school-like buildings and they just uh, hold their meetings, are training underground caves or in the private houses in the mountains, I call them seminaries of the field. <clears throat> Before we discuss the nature and method of training in these seminaries, let us briefly examine the method of itinerant evangelism and church planting that they have developed during the last 10 years. Uh, and I will share with you this model that developed in central China in the province of Henan, which means south of the Yellow River. That, in fact, uh, as a matter of fact, is the cradle of ancient Chinese civilization. We must first differentiate between house meetings and house churches. A house meeting can be a temporary or ongoing meeting existing either independently or as one of several cell groups within a larger institutional church. A house church, however, is one where Christians come together as the body of Christ and build that body according to the teachings of Scripture under the Lordship of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the three self-leader, Bishop Ding, would acknowledge that there are many house meetings, but he would deny that there are house churches, and he doesn't like that term, house church. And, and um, there's a significant difference between house meeting and church. A church is fully church, organized, with recognized leadership, and conducting worship, training, and the work of evangelism, as well as the sacraments. A meeting can be a fellowship, 
a Bible study, and dispersible any time. As the body of Christ, house church members are committed to one another. They exercise their spiritual gifts and they develop their own authority structure according to scripture. They come together to worship, to edify one another through the preaching of the word and through love to witness Christ in word and, and in deed. A house church is in every way a church, the same as an established congregation that has developed under the lordship of Christ and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. House churches began during the period 1958 to 76. Actually, there were house churches prior to that, but uh, um, in China, in the post-liberation uh, era, house churches began uh, after 1958 as meetings of believers who gathered for mutual encouragement through prayer, sharing of testimonies, and occasional preaching by itinerant uh, evangelists. Because by 1958, the communists, through the state church, have systematically destroyed organized churches, denominational churches, uh, only leaving a few uh, churches in large cities. For example, the 200 uh, churches in Shanghai by 1959 were reduced to eight. The 66 churches in Beijing were reduced to four. And by 1952, all seminaries were conglomerated or amalgamated into two, um, one in the north and the south. By 1958, uh, only one seminary was left, and Christian publishing houses were all uh, told to stop by 1952. And also by March 1951, missionaries were chased out so that um, traditional forms of Christianity uh, founded by foreign missions and developed by Chinese churches came to a practical end by 1958. And so after that, uh, the work of the church in the homes were, and the work of evangelism were carried out by voluntary lay uh, leadership. So a lay itinerant evangelist with a pastoral heart and a passion for evangelism will be the initiator of, um, uh, of a regional house church. As a house, uh, as a house meeting continued to meet regularly, one or more spiritual leaders would emerge functioning as resident elders in charge of the spiritual affairs of the house church, usually at great risks. Because when the Public Security Bureau discovers a house meeting going on, they will ask, who is the leader? And usually the leader is arrested, uh, beaten, imprisoned. So to be a leader in the house church means uh, a very risky endeavor. In 1976, as some of the itinerant evangelists expanded their rounds, they began to take a few younger resident house church leaders on their evangelistic tours. They and these young Timothys would preach the gospel to people in the villages where there were no churches. Beginning with one or two of Christian families in the village, they would preach to one or two, for one or two weeks on the salvation of the cross and then form the initial uh, church with the new converts. The itinerant evangelists would then either come back for further instruction in Christian growth 
or send a fellow team to follow up uh, in doing the teaching. Thus, in recent years, many house churches have been started by itinerant evangelists. In 1982, as house churches began to grow in size and number, especially in the countryside, they were, for, they were, they were faced with the problem of heresy on the one hand and state persecution on the other hand. And to deal with these problems, uh, leaders from 16 counties in Henan got together and had their type of Jerusalem council and so excommunicated the eight heretics, seven adulterers, and also um, developed um, uh, a uh, handbook for qualifications for ordaining uh, local congregational leaders whom they call responsible brethren, but virtually elders, as well as um, uh, a theology of the cross, which enabled them to deal with suffering. They also worked out a seven-point mission strategy uh, for, the, uh, for the corporate mission, for their corporate mission work. These seven points are as follows. One, preach the gospel of salvation so that those who hear it will repent of their sins and have a born-again experience. Because they insist on this, they have been called born-again knights and often criticized because they uh, require people who hear the gospel to recognize their sins and repent and to, to have faith to believe in Christ and then to experience born again. Because that demand, uh, some other groups have reacted against this and um, are criticizing them. The second point is teach the pathway of the cross so that believers will be able to uh, survive persecution, especially those who volunteer for the ministry. This is a requirement. They must be willing to walk the path with the cross. That is, to accept suffering and persecution as a concomitant to being a disciple of Jesus and definitely as a itinerant evangelist. Three, know the three self-patriotic movement as a worldly power and do not be fooled by it. They do not compromise with a state church. The fourth point is build a church according to scripture teachings. Building a church until it is well organized and building the church with the supply of the word as the um, goal of itinerant evangelism. Five, nurture the young churches with the life of Christ by providing means for spiritual growth, such as Bibles, literature, and Bible teaching. Uh, and we supply Bibles, tapes, and uh, sometimes tape recorders uh, so they can listen to our radio uh, broadcast through Transcript Radio, a program called Seminary of the Air that we broadcast 30 minutes a day every day. And my wife used to do quite a bit of a recording of that. It's still going on. The sixth point of this uh, um, seven-point missions policy is uh, establish and maintain communication with uh, other churches in other counties and provinces. This is almost like a denominational uh, church planning effort. Churches which they planted are grouped according to 
regional pastoral zone, 30 to um, 50 can, will be called a pastoral zone. And I will draw that diagram a little later. And then uh, several pastoral zones will constitute a regional conference. Uh, so the pastoral zone is like a, a presbytery, and regional conference is like a synod. And then several uh, regional conferences, representative of these will meet annually, and that will be the General Assembly. Currently, they have about 3,500 churches uh, in 22 provinces. And the seventh point is conduct pioneer evangelism in regions not reached by the gospel. In Chinese, their phrase is which means develop by sending evangelists to areas hitherto unreached by the gospel and then occupy that land in the name of Jesus. It's like the Christian occupation of China, you know. Um, it's a very militant church, spiritually speaking. Uh, Roman numeral uh, two, uh, development of a church planting model and the emergence of functional ecclesi ecclesial ecclesiastical structure in central China. To communicate their decision for, to all regions concerned, they sent itinerant teams which provided teaching and encouragement, just like Paul would uh, found a church and then he is chased out in, uh, from Thessalonica and he flees to Berea and then to Athens, but he would uh, let Timothy remain to finish the job or send a second team to continue the teaching. In this process, they organize loose independent house churches into pastoral uh, districts, uh, a pastoral uh, or pastoral zone. And as I said, a pastoral zone usually consists of 30 to 50 churches. And then into regional conferences. And uh, each pastor district sends two delegates to attend the conference meeting, which meets monthly at a different place known only to the delegates. The conference as a whole oversees matters of doctrine, church organization, theological education, and ascending of itinerant evangelists to conduct pioneer mission work in new areas. Each pastoral district contributes a certain amount of funds toward the work of the regional conference, especially for the training and sending of itinerant evangelists. So the, um, the, the regional conference, like a synod, is the main uh, ecclesi ecclesiastical uh, body. <coughs> uh, I repeat, they determine matters of doctrine, church organization, theological training, and commissioning of evangelists for pioneer work. In earlier days, house church leaders emerged as voluntary lay leaders by virtue of the strength of their faith and their love for the Lord. More recently, itinerant, itinerant preachers who established new churches have usually appointed five to seven elders known as those who weary for the flock, that is, who are concerned for the flock. Sometimes they have the people elect their own leaders. 
the leader of a local lay pastoral team would attend the, the co-workers meeting of the pastoral district. Similarly, leaders in the district council attend the regional conference. In principle, they are all volunteer lay leaders who farm during the day and who work in the evening. Um, during these past 10 years, the itinerant evangelists who established most of the churches have organized a mission society known as the Gospel Band, which in concert with the regional councils conduct training of evangelists in their underground seminaries and commissions the graduates to conduct field itinerant evangelism. Now, let me briefly uh, draw a few um, uh, charts to explain. In the first stage, an evangelist, usually two by two, or two evangelists, will come to a Christian home who serves as the rece receiving party, uh, who, who provides hospitality. Uh, and he will send uh, friends over and relatives, and these evangelists will start preaching. After two weeks or sometimes a month, a congregation will be uh, uh, formed. Then, either the same evangelist or another team will come over and start teaching. That will be the second stage. Teaching these seven points in much fuller. So these converts are trained in discipleship training, a responsibility, until some of them would emerge as leaders. So you have uh, a lot of converse members, but then pretty soon you have a few, usually seven local leaders, who then oversee uh, the spiritual life and teaching of this church. One of them then would uh, join the pastoral uh, zone or uh, district meeting, which meet, meets once a week. So you have 50 leaders representing 30 to 50 churches meeting on a weekly basis to plan corporately the work in that area. If your gift is evangelism from your area or your friends, you are sent out to do pioneer work. If your gift is teaching, then you go around and do teaching. If your work is administration, you do administration. So uh, functionally, the pastoral uh, zone meeting, in Chinese called Tonggonghui, or co-workers meeting, carries the grassroots work. But uh, uh, you see, the the steps are very simple. First, come the evangelists to preach and form the church. And secondly, the same team or another team with the gift of teaching come and to instruct them until they, uh, they grow in, in spirit. And thirdly, the leaders come to or, uh, ordain them 
not in the same way we are doing here, but the same meaning and same process. Recognition of uh, uh, leaders in the congregation. And that is followed by regional, corporate, organized, um, uh, <coughs> organized uh, uh, structure, a meeting. I have observed and I found that these new house churches have the characteristics of an established, organized church body like any congregation we recognize as authentic churches. They have these characteristics. First, they, have recogni they recognize the lordship of Christ in conducting ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Two, uh, organizing leadership and authority structure according to scripture. Three, regular worship and breaking of bread together in the name of Jesus. Four, they provide teaching and practice discipleship and exercise discipline. Five, they witness Christ through life and word. Six, they conduct evangelism, baptize new members, and teaching them to be good disciples. And finally, observing stewardship for works of mercy and kingdom. Okay, now, 30 to 50 such churches form a pastoral zone. Now, if we draw differently, we will draw this way. Suppose 40, I'm sorry, 30 to 40 uh, congregations, we call them pastoral zone or pastoral uh, district. That means they have thirty or fifty house churches. And each house church in the countryside ranges anywhere from fifty to three hundred on the average. 10 pastoral districts would constitute a regional conference. One from each would attend the pastoral district meeting, which is weekly. Two from each pastoral district would attend the regional conference. So that would have 20 persons attending this level of uh, meeting. Where and when only those who are selected to go know for security reasons. And after they have um, met, they will communicate their findings to this uh, uh, pastoral district council. And this body take care of doctrine, organization, uh, theological education for evangelism, and the commissioning of evangelists to do pioneer evangelism. Uh, very t tightly organized.
this regional conference, and there are about 10 of them now in this system, meets once a year uh, for overall uh, strategy. But the major work is done here. They settle doctrinal disputes. They commission uh, pioneer work. They provide basic training. And they provide the overall management of churches under the regional council's care. Well, I think uh, I will make a, well, we'll take a break here, and then we go to the development of training program for the field evangelists. Perhaps uh, we can have some questions now before we have a five minutes break. Any questions on, yes. Um, um, I have one about uh, something that you said sort of in passing, not specifically about how in large cities, which uh, are well organized and directed by the Three Self Committee and the Religious Affairs Bureau, there are house meetings that belong to these officially organized Three Self churches. And the pastors from these churches even preach in their house meetings. Uh, they will call these meetings, not churches. Then you have uh, TSPM or independent house churches that have joined the TSPM committee of a county. In that sense, they report to the provincial committee. But often these house meet churches begin as independent house meetings, but the government requires them to join. Otherwise, it will be illegal. In order to gain the status of legality, they join the TSPM, and they pay dues, okay? something like uh, 80 yuan or $20 um, per year. Uh, but then, uh, formally, they're not supposed to meet every day. They should meet only on Sundays. But some of these are in the counties or villages. They join, but they still do other house churches too. And they are in close cooperation with those house churches that do not join the house at the TSPM. Then you have house churches who, which refuse to join uh, the TSPM in order that they may have their total freedom to do the work of evangelism and be not hampered by regulations of the state, which basically says people have the freedom uh, to believe, freedom to worship in three sub-churches, but not freedom to propagate the gospel. Okay? Uh, and, and these itinerant evangelists belong to those who don't join. And so they develop a very anti-three self attitude. They call themselves spiritual harlots. And they pierce the uh, <laughs> spiritual harlots. In uh, the book of Numbers, there's the story of uh, uh, Phinehas, you know, who's, who, who pierced the Israelite who committed adultery with the median woman. And because of that act, uh, the Lord stopped the plague. So uh, these uh, uh, independent house churches who refuse to join the Himself 
are, are very puritanical. Uh, they are the nonconformists, and, and they, uh, they, they, they have nothing to do with herself. However, they have some good friends in the house churches that join the three self. Uh, and, and, and their friends who, who join the three self supply information on government, government policies so they can hide in due time. Okay? Uh, that's the situation. Okay. Do you, do you need uh, any rest in between, or should we go on? Oh, uh, these uh, uh, are in all large cities. Okay. Um, <coughs> how church we join the three self are in county level. Xian. These will be cities, small towns. Okay. Or uh, large house church meetings in the villages. Some of the villages are quite large. So they are so big, 300, 400 people. It's no, no longer possible to hide. So they join. The government sometimes control them. But if they have a cadre, cadre who is friendly, then they can get away with it. If a, they have a cruel cadre, then sooner or later, this house church would become diminished. Uh, these are all over in the countryside. This will be in the cities or in the suburbs. Yeah. There are also uh, house churches in the cities that refuse to join. Right, right. They are smaller. People, I mean, uh, 15, 20, where you can contain your uh, uh, living room which would be about uh, one-sixth of this room is average. <laughs> this room would be normally two apartments in China. Yeah, like Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? Which? Who are the leaders who refuse to join? Oh, there are hundreds and thousands of those. Oh, they are laymen. Laymen. But recognized leader by their own people. They are full-time lay... I mean, um, uh, you have to switch your thinking to the first century Christianity. Okay? Uh, not so clear in ordination, but they do set aside. Yes, a large number. Okay, if I should I go on? Rule number three: development of. Uh, should, yeah, you're right. Okay, development of a training program uh, for field evangelists. Development of um, training program for field evangelists. 
uh, none of the itinerant evangelists uh, had received any formal theological training as we understand it here. They are constrained by the Spirit of God and they simply preach the gospel from village to village and often at great personal risks. The earlier itinerant evangelists started in the late uh, 1960s. One man who is now in prison back in 1968, moved by the Spirit of God, prayed, Lord, Lord, have mercy on our people. And he said, as I beheld the Church of God, it was like a barren land. And so moved by the Spirit of God, he went from house to house to search out believers and told them, don't stop meeting. Come together and pray. And he would preach and encourage them. And he would go from one village to another. And that's how he revived and restored uh, these um, house churches. So that um, by late, by, by 1974 and 75, many of these uh, evangelists had developed regional pockets of uh, uh, home house churches in various provinces. And they began to take younger men and women in their late teens and early 20s to follow them. Uh, they would constitute a team of uh, three or four, and they would preach in three hours a night. And then they walk home in the moonlight, and they sing and rejoice, because after whole evening's uh, evangelist meeting, they, are still, they will still be high. Uh, one man said um, after um, the meeting, he had to conduct uh, some counseling. Uh, some of the questions was like, should I allow my daughter to be married to a non-Christian or not? Uh, it may sound like a very simple question, but the problem in many cases, you have only one Christian man and 10 Christian women. What to do? Uh, how should the women do? How should the nine do? And so they would provide counseling till late one or two o'clock. And um, they go to bed and get up at five o'clock, start to pray, and then go on. But one time he found his door locked up. The local believers were so anxious that he remained another night. They locked him up. <laughs> they killed kitchen and chicken and, and boiled the chicken soup and say, you eat anything you eat we want, but be sure stay another night. We just haven't got enough. And the evangelist said, no, 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 I got meetings already lined up in the next village. Well, he was a captivated preacher. <laughs> well, the lack of preachers became a serious problem. Uh, especially after China began to open up in 1979, 80, 81, 82. Um, with this lack of preachers, they didn't know what to do. They prayed and prayed and prayed. And one time, uh, an elder got a bright idea. And he said, we have been hawking the pulpit for so long. Why don't we allow the young people 22 and below preach? And let's have a preach-a-thon. <laughs> so um, they uh, made an announcement around the neighboring counties. Uh, in a February 1982, 19 youngsters uh, registered and they preached one day, one night uh, continuously for the 19 uh, pre young, young preachers to, uh, to have their audition. They were so good, the um, leaders laid hands on them and sent them out two by two to preach the gospel. Within two months, 
they felt that the result was very good because heresies were here and there, and uh, a lot of new churches were being formed because of signs and miracles. So uh, this additional help was good. And so the leadership said, let's have another one. And in April, they had another audition. Forty youngsters uh, registered and took them two days, two nights to finish the preaching. Uh, uh, and uh, I said, how do you stay for eight hours? They said, well, it was so exciting. We, don't want to, we didn't want to miss any. Uh, we're hungry to go and eat a bowl of noodles. We are tired to sleep an hour and get out of here again. And you have to go to the bathroom, just go to the bathroom. Uh, and they would just use uh, mats or straws, you know, uh, and lay on the floor and, and just listen. Sometimes uh, 800 people in a big barn. Um, that's the way they solved the problem of need for preachers in the beginning. Um, <clears throat> one time, the uh, 14 of them went out to preach, and after they came back, they began to share the good news. They were so excited uh, that a lot of people began to hear outsiders, non-Christians, and, uh, and the crowd got big. Then they stopped sharing, they stopped preaching. As they stopped preaching, 5,000 people gathered together to hear them. And that created a big traffic jam because even the business people closed their shops to hear the gospel. And then the police came to arrest them. Oh, 14 men were arrested. <laughs> Sent them to the retention center of the Public Security Bureau. Uh, but one of the young girls, only 14 years old, fainted because uh, when they were arrested in China, they would have their hands tied behind their back, then to their neck, and then make them kneel, have their hands and knees together, like the, you, the way you would tie a horse or a lamb. And by the end of the third day, this young girl fainted. They released her. The rest were kept in prison for nine days. When they were rejoined, this little girl began to cry. And they say, why are you crying? You should be happy. And she said, they suffered for Christ for nine days. I only suffered for three. <laughs> she, she, she felt deprived. Uh, uh, when I heard this, I was really amazed. Such a young person could understand that to suffer for Christ is a privilege. You know, Paul in Philippians 1.29 says, it has been granted to us as a privilege not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for him. That's, that's what it means to be Christians in China. Well, uh, during this time, they uh, also worked out um, a, 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 a manual called Training in Spiritual Life which uh, required one week of teaching. So these uh, young preachers would go out to a newly established church and give a whole week's uh, training, uh, each, each night of four, three or four hours, uh, on the essentials of salvation and the, the Christian life. Um, In June of 1982, uh, this church group in Henan received a Macedonian call from a neighboring province called Sichuan, where there are 100 million people. It's a table land. Uh, Sichuan is where they have hot food, and there are a lot of Sichuan restaurants here. 
and uh, their history dates way back to uh, about 2,000 years before Christ. I mean, uh, from um, before now, and definitely about 2,000 before 500 years ago. Well, what happened was that uh, uh, there were some business people from the countryside who uh, lured innocent women and promised them employment in the cities. What they did was that they uh, kidnapped, in a way, took these uh, young women and sold them as wives to poor farmers who couldn't afford a dowry for 250 yuan per wife. Uh, per yuan, that's about what? $50 US. <laughs> uh, and so uh, these girls uh, felt cheated and uh, they, got, they were forced to get married, so they were very, very miserable. But uh, in the midst of their misery, the revival swept through the area, so they became Christians, husband and wife. They solved the problem of fighting at home. Uh, <laughs> then they went home to see their uh, in, uh, parents in Sichuan. But after they got to Sichuan, they were uh, very saddened by the fact that their own parents, brothers and sisters, were still worshiping idols. So they wrote uh, to the brothers and sisters, Christian church in Henan, and said, come over and help us. And the church began to pray. They fasted for three days and prayed. And at the end of um, uh, one week, they made a decision. At that time, they had 24 top-level leadership. They decided 12 to stay at home, 12 to send mission field. But that's a good principle. Always send the best to the mission field. But don't send everybody. Keep half at home. <laughs> because if all were arrested, you still have some leadership. Well, within a month, they uh, planted uh, 16 churches. They even went to the hometown of Deng Xiaoping, Guang'anxian. And uh, when the Chinese authorities heard about this, they sent a large um, delegation uh, of public security forces to arrest them, and they began to run. Half of them were arrested, half of them um, were uh, able to escape. And um, those who were arrested, some of them were uh, released after a week, others after uh, a month, and uh, two or three of the senior leaders were kept four years. We met with them a month before they were sent off, and some of them I didn't meet them again for four years later. In prison, they suffered a lot. One brother had uh, the police uh, stick a uh, anti-riot rod of 2,000 watts in his mouth. It almost blew his brain. But God was uh, gracious to him and healed him. Uh, others were, were beaten uh, with almost brain concussion, with heavy bamboo sticks. And they were forced to confess that they had done, committed uh, crime for itinerant evangelism, and they would not admit that preaching the gospel is a crime. They were forced to release the names of those, their fellow workers, who they are, and so on. They just keep their mouths shut. Because the moment you tell 
then they will go and arrest your friends. So they will bear the suffering for the other. And that's love, to endure suffering so that others may not be arrested. Well, uh, this Sichuan uh, mission was the first cross-provincial mission experience. And that widened their scope. But the cause of persecution, uh, I mean, uh, the, 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 the renewed persecution um, uh, scattered them somewhat. They were uh, uh, a little bit confused. And a new persecution came in 1983 when the government came along with anti-prime campaign uh, when uh, 10,000 heads rolled, anti-spiritual pollution, and anti-shelters uh, campaign. Now the shelters are the followers of Witness Lee, uh, former colleague of Watchman Nee. Uh, so the government and the, well, the public security and the three self all gang up on the house churches to arrest these itinerant preachers and uh, house church leaders. And so they had to flee. They had just developed this uh, uh, well-workout ecclesiology, training methodology, so on. Uh, they had to flee. Uh, many uh, older, experienced house leaders, church leaders were um, arrested, and so the young man came up to assume leadership. And as the men got arrested, the women came up. It was a wave after wave. And many were forced to flee to the mountain, high mountain areas in the, in the neighboring provinces of uh, uh, Sanxi, Sanxi. Well, these are strange names to you, but um, that is uh, in central China, Shandong, Anhui. And when they got uh, to the top of these mountainous areas, they were uh, surprised to find that there, are a lot, there were a lot of people still worshiping idols. So, of course, they would preach the gospel to them, and uh, a congregation reformed. In one case, they worked for a month, and a congregation of 100 was formed, and the, young, and the, and the people brought out their idols and uh, burned those idols. A big bonfire went up. Then the police came to investigate. So uh, these evangelists had to run. Uh, just like uh, Paul, you know, the friends would tell me, the, the, the police had come, so they ran. It took them 10 hours to climb this hill. It took them about three hours to dash down the woods, and they hid themselves in the um, woods for about three days. Uh, what is worse, more inter interesting, is that after three days, they came out, and they ride, got on a bus. On the bus, they saw the very police who were pursuing them three days ago. Oh, you know what to do, you know, eye to eye. Um, but suddenly the bus stopped and the passenger got off and these events just, just got off right away. And the bus took off, zoom. And the police said, wait, 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 man, we are public security bureau. And, and, and the bus driver didn't bother because everybody dressed the same mouth jacket. Who knows if you're police or not? So this Persecution of 82, persecution of 83, scattered these uh, evangelists to even um, further away uh, and more provinces. So they, they developed this uh, mission concept uh, uh, unwittingly, <laughs> um, but they gained experience. 
Um, and so, um, basically, uh, they have developed this uh, cycle of, um, of uh, itinerant evangelism for the purpose of church planting and when the church is planted they will work on discipleship spiritual life training and after spiritual life training they, they will be trained to do itinerant evangelism as this uh, uh, cycle Well, in 1984, uh, our Chinese Church Research Center felt led to start a Chinese missions uh, seminary uh, to train workers for the evangelization of China. And we shared this vision with them for them to pray for us. And they want to send students to Taiwan, to Hong Kong. But the laws in Hong Kong and China uh, forbid this. So we said, sorry, cannot do that. They felt very dis disappointed. But one old, uh, not so old actually, only 52 years old, but in China they look very old. One uh, elder who, who doesn't know how to read, but very, very, very uh, godly man, um, uh, when he prays it's 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, he just kneels down and pray, and his teeth were all kind of, uh, uh, you know, his teeth were not well grown. <laughs> and he prays out loud and uh, he have a nose run this long like noodles. <laughs> but he doesn't care, he just prays. Well, he's a godly man. A lot, man. Yeah. I mean, I, you never get tired when he prays. Well, this man said to the other uh, younger men and women, said, you can do it. You've been in the ministry for 10 years. I've seen how you uh, preach so well to the ladies who were who are then about 28 years old now, and young men. So he persuaded them to start a seminary. And, and so they, they um, issued a call to the churches they established and, and shared with them the vision of so many villages without churches, so many provinces have not heard the gospel and, 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 and preached the uh, uh, how Jesus, you know, uh, in obedience to God's will, 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 will went to the cross. You know, how today if you follow Jesus, you must be able to uh, hate your brother, mother, <laughs> and, and, and everything, follow Jesus. That challenge is absolute, uh, giving everything to follow Jesus. got so strong that young people volunteer for the ministry, and uh, when there's enough 30, enough uh, men and women, up to 30, they will take them to a, the first underground seminary was in a um, uh, certain house way out in a, uh, a mountain. If you're not a local person, you get lost because there's so many winding roads. Uh, I went there one time, but I would never be able to find, find it myself. Um, and there's a barn. And so these, these, these students would, 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 would uh, uh, take lessons in the barn, uh, and uh, three uh, lady 
evangelists would, were assigned to, uh, to teach. Well, these evangelists have been on the field for 10 years or so. And later on, they added another one. Uh, they found a Christian who had uh, an underground cave, which uh, uh, 100 years ago or so, people dug as a cheap dwelling, warm in the winter and cool in the summer, about 25 uh, feet below, uh, with steps down uh, as their underground seminary. In 1986, when I went in, we, in, two, in one week, we were able to uh, visit three of them. <laughs> And uh, every day I had to speak about eight hours and uh, ten hours. Um, I, I, I spoke on Romans 5 to 8 because uh, that was my favorite. And also the history of the church in China. Uh, sometimes, you know, after night, there's no, no light. You just have to speak without notes. Uh, fortunately, I was teaching a Chinese church history for ten years, so it was all in my head. And Romans uh, 5 to 8, I had them charted. I had a chart, you know. Uh, to, from in Adam to in Christ and so on. Anyway, uh, they started this uh, seminary of the field and uh, to, to this day, it's still going on since 1985. I don't know how many they have now. The last time I was there a year ago, they had 13. Three of them were discovered. Uh, um, so now others are going on. But now they are trying, they have developed a better way they are uh, having regional groups to organize uh, those who want to be trained, and they send teachers to the to to those uh, locations. Three teachers train them for forty days, and they send them out to preach in the region area. After um, after uh, uh, a year or so of ministry, and then we'll take a rest, and they feel called to do pioneer evangelism to the border provinces, then give them three months training. And, um, and those are very serious because that, those who feel called to the pioneers will be sent uh, to the border provinces of Heilongjiang or Guizhou or Urumqi near the Chinese uh, and Russian border. Um, so uh, to solve this problem, they developed this uh, seminary of the field, and um, during the last uh, five years, uh, each one of these underground seminaries are, uh, has have produced uh, uh, a two or three classes. So this process, in the last five years, they produced 1,200 full-time itinerant evangelists. And, and when they finish, um, uh, when they finish, they were ordained or commissioned by the teachers, by the uh, head of the mission society, and by the leadership of the local church, and sent out two by two. Uh, but let me now uh, share with you their program of training in the seminary of the field. Uh, I visit three of them, so um, most of this is what I actually saw and also through interview. In terms of schedule, uh, they get up at 5 o'clock and pray till 7. They pray kneeling with their hands and feet, knees on the ground. And the ground is just dirt, 
So after they finish their praying, they have to wash their hands before they could uh, eat something. Uh, later on, when they are in the, in the field, it becomes a common practice, just like Korean church. Five o'clock, you pray. Till seven. Um, uh, say this is a cliff and a mountain, and they'll dig a hole, okay? Uh, one for a boys' dorm, one for a girls' dorm, one for a classroom, one for a kitchen. And, and, and the cooking, they, they cook with uh, wood and so on, it's very smoky. And these girls just endure the smoke. Uh, sometimes ventilation in the cave is not very good. It was the, in the winter, it's okay, cold, but in the summer, it's hot. And um, to prevent the singing and praying um, noise from being heard by neighbors, they put a big heavy blanket at the entrance, just a small little duck there. And uh, when they pray, they have to pray in a very suffocated way, yeah, but they want to pray loud. So those seminars are, that are located way out in the field, they will pray loud, out loud, and sing loudly. Um, the teachers eat with the students and sleep on simple mats, uh, sometimes on straw. They receive no salary and take no vacation. Uh, the seminars of the field are supported by the regional councils. Students come with a heart of dedication. Uh, not even their parents know what, where they are. And they're not allowed to write home so that security will be 100% tight. Even the churches nearby that supply the food and the fuel and so on, only one or two persons designated are allowed to know where these seminars of the field are. All the others is by faith gift. And the, and the designated person at night will supply vegetables and grain. Uh, the church takes up all the responsibility for their room and board, and no tuition is charged. <laughs> um, when these students come in, it's like joining the army. The church takes care of their room and board, food, and when they graduate, the mission, uh, this, uh, well, they organize a mission society. The uh, heads of the mission society, the teachers from the seminary, and local leaders of the regional council come together and lay hands on them and send them out two by two to proclaim the gospel. Like soldiers training boot camp, the graduates are assigned to the fields already being cultivated by their leaders for, for, for pioneer evangelism. They usually go two by two, that is two men or two women, sometimes in larger groups. The church provides their travel expenses usually one way. They just don't have enough for two way. <laughs> they have to be there. <laughs> uh, they get a dollar and a half for girls and one dollar for boys for the period they're on the field. Uh, two girls uh, before they graduate wait upon the Lord and uh, they prayed and prayed the Lord uh, impressed upon them this province called Heilongjiang uh, Heilongjiang is way up in the north near the Russian border in Manchuria where it's 30 degrees below zero and the teacher said are you sure? <laughs> pray more and they prayed Heilongjiang you sure? yes okay we send you Heilongjiang so they went to Heilongjiang, 
they came to an old man who has a house church there, and they said, uh, the Lord has sent us to preach the gospel. Are you kidding? Kids like you? Yeah. Go home. Don't make jokes out of me. Well, they felt so despondent, so they left the old man's home and went out the suburb and knelt in the snow. And they prayed, Lord, Lord, you sent us here, and if you don't open the opportunity, we're going to die here. They prayed almost a day in the snow. By the time they got up, they could hardly get their knees out. Anyway, they went back to the, um, to the uh, old man, and the man was persuaded to gather a group of uh, believers, and these young ladies began to preach. As they opened their mouth, they were so moved by the Holy Spirit, they cried and they confessed their sin, and they were thoroughly converted. The old man confessed to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm so sorry you sent your servant, and I didn't know. Uh, and so he repented, and he began to arrange meetings into various villages. These ladies began to preach from place to place, and within uh, uh, two years, they formed uh, 30 churches, and they even organized their own seminary of the field. Two other boys uh, were sent, um, uh, were, were, were uh, that's, this has happened um, recently, and I heard it um, uh, December last. They had a, a call to go to Guizhou, which is south um, west China near the Burma border. Um, they went there, and they knew nobody, so they uh, went to a three south church, and they want to help. But the three south pastor told the police. The police came to arrest these two guys, and they began to run. They hid themselves in a neighbor's home, a non-Christian home. After a while, they felt it's not very good to stay too long, so they left uh, and went to this uh, outside the field, uh, but no no shelter, so they just stayed underneath a bridge, because in Guizhou, there's a saying, uh, they don't have three clear days, and there's no land, uh, no flat land more than three miles, and nobody has more than three bucks, bucks in his pocket. <laughs> Really poor. Um, well, they just prayed and prayed for 32 days. Then the Lord moved an old uh, man whom God sent there 40 years ago. He uh, is uh, 72 years old, very weak. And the Lord urged him to get on the train. So he got on the train, rode 500 kilometers, got off, and he did. And he walked out to the, to the bridge. And he said to these two young men, what are you doing here? And they said, well, the Lord sent us to Guizhou, and now we're stuck here. Nobody received us, and the police trying to get after us. The old man said, okay, you come with me. And uh, the old man gave, fed him, washed him and they introduced them to the leaders of minority tribes in that area. So they followed these young men to the various mountainous areas in Guizhou, and they preached the gospel. A lot of villages, is whatever another, turned to Christ. One village has only one family. The man has four wives and 32 children, and they were all saved. Some of the, but one day, one day, uh, the, um, Local police heard about it, so they began to send uh, a team to arrest these uh, two young men who were preaching the gospel to the minority tribes 
whom the government is trying to protect from interference by Christians. But some of the roads in the mountain cliffs are very, very dangerous. The cliffs are very, very steep, and they cut a road on the side. So they have to go like this. You know? And the young men are very good. Uh, as the police came to chase them, the young men came around, and the uh, middle-aged, and one of them, <laughs> the leaders, the public security bureau, suddenly just dropped 200 meters below. He nearly killed himself, but he broke his leg. Um, he, they never caught these evangelists. <laughs> uh, the, these reports uh, were made by uh, the man uh, who prayed 45 minutes and who was arrested in 1986 in prison for nine months and released because they thought he was going to die. But his heart was so much for the Lord. He himself went to make rounds to visit these uh, frontier uh, situations where the graduates go. And he himself could make this. Yeah, ama ama amazingly. So um, the model that has developed by, the, by this uh, central uh, China house church group maybe summarized uh, in this diagram. And then I'll close for a question. Uh, you have itinerant evangelism as the, uh, as the first step which then uh, establish a church, house church. And, the ho uh, uh, and this uh, church then will lead the people to discipleship training. Basically, in the doctrine of salvation and Christian life. And uh, once they've done that training, they give them uh, this type of uh, seminar of the field, theological training for missions, for evangelism. And the graduates then become itinerary evangelists who go out to plant churches. Very simple. Um, so this model of church planting and field worker training um, has been developed from field experience and has proven to be very effective. These evangelists go for one month to three months, they plant a church. Three ladies went out to Shanxi, which is a very, very poor mountainous, dry terrain. And within three months, they had 80 converts ready to receive baptism. Just for, I couldn't resist to tell the story on this, this connection, because they're all ladies, they want to have a brother to give baptism. Now in China, although the majority of the frontier evangelists are women, uh, in the regional leadership, like the pastor zone and district conferences, most of the leaders are men. And top leadership in the evangelistic mission society are men. Uh, they, 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 the women 
uh, defer authority to man, just automatically, uh, also their, but their concept of scripture. And so they would like to have a brother come to uh, official baptism. But they, there were no brothers around. But they found out this brother, who was in prison in 1982, had been released, just recently released in 86. So they sent a cable to his friend. They said, come over and help us. And this man got on the bus and train and walk and came before he could go home to see his wife and children and start evangelize. I'm sorry, to start to preach for baptism. He would preach, usually preach two hours uh, before anything. And then he began to baptize one after another till number 16 out of 18. Suddenly the door flung open and uh, five police uh, men came along. Who is preaching here? He said, I am. Come with us to the Public Security Bureau. We'd like to talk to you. Oh, he didn't know what to do. But the host, a woman of wisdom, said, got up and said to the crowd, I don't know, it must be, be a large crowd, over 100 or 200. Brothers and sisters, the meeting is over. Whew. And she blew the candlelight. In the pitch of darkness, everybody scrambled. We're going to run. And this event even ran into the, uh, it was uh, September, and then all to the cornfield. Everybody ran. And the police chased. But he was a tall, he is a tall man. He ran fast. And the police were shorter. The policemen were younger. They could have caught him, but they didn't dare to get close to him. Uh, anyway, he outran them and hid himself in the cornfield. And he hid himself. After midnight, he began to worry, what happened to our three Christian sisters, the evangelists? So he went back to the, uh, to the, to the village to, to look for his, uh, his co-workers. But in China, in those uh, villages, all the farmers' are alike, houses are alike. He went around the village seven times, he couldn't find. Suddenly he saw a house with a window, and he thought that must be a Christian home, so he went in. And the closer look, oh, those were the policemen who were uh, chasing him. He began to run, 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 run. And he ran into the field and never returned again. And he had a rendezvous with the other uh, uh, women evangelists uh, in a nearby town. And then they got away. Uh, well, two weeks later, they sent another team to finish the job. Well, I think my time is just up now. Well, it's uh, uh, really, really exciting what they are doing. Uh, but their secret is walking the pathway of the cross. Well, this is the end of my lecture. And uh, if uh, later on you want a copy of this, I can send you one. Um, and if you do get a copy, uh, don't reproduce it uh, too easily, because uh, this is the way they operate. And we don't want this to uh, um, be too to widely spread. Anyway, uh, if you have any more questions, I will answer them. What is your reflection? Uh, at the end, you talked about the baptism, people receiving baptism. If there are not many old, um, ordinated people, or a lay leader, some lay leaders are baptized. If there are no lay leaders? Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, well, um, uh, the senior male leaders make the rounds, like a superintendents, and they, they, they officiate baptism. But also, now they have developed, uh, in, in those uh, pastor zones, 
they, they, are, they have recognized leaders who can baptize. Also, the regional conference leaders, they, they can baptize. They are specifically set aside to oversee a congregation or elected to uh, represent this congregation in the pastoral district. Likewise, two men from the pastoral district go to the regional conference. It's a very tight uh, organization, and it's almost impossible to penetrate uh, by uh, police. Yeah. People can penetrate into the house meetings, but it's very difficult to penetrate into the leadership structure. Yeah. Because they train themselves from congregational leadership up, from the lower ranks, from the grassroots uh, congregation to discipleship training, to field work, and then to this training, by the time they're out and, 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 uh, and ministering for five or 10 years, they, are, they would have been imprisoned for two or three times. So they're well tested. This structure that we've been talking about is, isn't, isn't this mostly peasants. I mean, it's, but in terms of for intellectuals and students and academics and the whole, that group, people that have come to Christ the last year or so, what is their structure different? Uh, they are mainly like um, uh, like Bible study groups on a campus, and uh, in the larger cities, uh, they come together for worship, uh, mutual comfort, encouragement, but not as vigorous as these. Yeah, but these people, they go to, um, they work in 22 of the, of the 25 provinces. Uh, and they are also um, in the cities to receive Bibles and uh, have fellowship with other uh, believers. They sometimes get the um, uh, church leaders and the house church movement in the cities who know the Bible much better to go in to provide teaching. Now, from Taiwan, we organize China Ministry in the National Taiwan Branch. We organize teaching team from Taiwan. We take pastors and uh, take them into China. Uh, Peter has gone in like that. When they go in, they change their clothes into local Chinese. And the house church leaders would have organized their own themselves, uh, maybe 50 to 70 church leaders and we go in and we teach for a week or so and then leave. Yeah. Take Bibles, literature, and, and broadcast. Yeah. So the work itself it requires multiple facets. Uh, the support, the training, the staff, the company, and, and, and those who have been in the ministry to teach. Uh, the seminary students go in to observe, to help out a little bit, but they cannot be the main speakers. Because unless you are in the ministry for a while and know the word real well, um, uh, well they feel you don't have enough to give. Uh, recently in Central China, some of the uh, pastors we took in graduate from another seminary. At the end of the question and answer period, um, uh, they were asked about uh, whether a person is saved, once he is saved, is saved forever, or can he lose his salvation because his faith weakened during persecution. 
And this uh, man said, uh, "Well, if he uh, lost his faith, he can he, he will not he will lose salvation." Um, and that uh, was not satisfactory to to this local church because this group is has developed a kind of a Calvinistic uh, concept of the perseverance of the saints. Um, so uh, this particular speaker is forbidden to return. Uh, he, he failed. Thereafter, since some of these house church leaders, before our guest speaker go in, they will interview them for two days, a theological interrogation. Uh, they examine the, the theology of this preacher whether sound enough according to their standard. If they disagree, they won't let this preacher preach. Uh, um, we have been supplying them with uh, consistent um, books of reform books, friends and their father, like Bavings, Our Reasonable Faith, and uh, Burkhoff's books, and so on. So they, and also History of Doctrine uh, by Burkhoff, a small one. So they, 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 they are quite acquainted with the with the historical controversies and so on, and um, and they are very able to discern. Uh, so they, they know the Bible very well, and they are very jealous uh, on the purity of doctrine. Yeah, and they will not allow uh, wishy-washy uh, preachers to go into go to, to go into them. Yeah, and and that is why uh, 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 part of our uh, purpose for development seminary in Christ College is to train MDiv level students, graduates in the future, along with uh, this type of uh, field training in Taiwan and a trip to China once or twice a year, so that later on they can go in and provide teaching. Yeah. But uh, I believe in 10 years' time, Bill, you can go in yourself. It's by faith. Right now, limited to the yeah, to overseas Chinese who are willing to live like them. It's a great privilege. Yeah. Yes. Pardon? Oh, Three Self has eleven open seminaries. Yes, they most, uh, with exception of one in Nanjing, they are two-year course. They have two. They offer two-year courses for high school graduates, and uh, then assigned to the Three Self churches in the cities or in the countryside. In Nanjing, they offer a four-year THP course. They have sent a number of students abroad uh, to take MDiv and graduate studies, hopefully to return and, and teach. They may have a few MDiv college grads, but on the whole, it's still a, a, a by THB level training. Do they what? Oh, no, no, no. The two do not mix. Yeah. Except there are evangelicals who go to three self seminaries. And then 
endure uh, the political side, political aspect so that they can minister in the officially sanctioned churches. But some of them cannot stand, so they quit. Yeah. Uh, the situation is um, not so fixed. It's very fluid. Uh, in fact, uh, about three or four years ago, we heard that the three selves, that the students in the Nanjing Theological Seminary pleaded with Bishop Ding, the principal, to allow the student to have prayer meeting as a group, meaning they were forbidden, but they pleaded and they got it. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe I'll stop here. <laughs>